You're listening to Absolute AI. Conversations with the humans behind artificial intelligence, where data scientists, ML researchers, startup founders, and enterprise execs talk about cutting-edge innovations and unique challenges posed by this new technological frontier. Tune in for interviews with leading experts to anticipate trends before they emerge. Hi, thanks for joining us on Absolute AI, conversations with the humans behind artificial intelligence. I'm your host, Melody Travers, and today I'm so excited to speak with Jin Suk Khan. Jin Suk's passion lies in the future of work, at the intersection of human and artificial intelligence where technology assists augments and accelerates human ingenuity for the well-being of the people and workers everywhere to engage in deep work for better living. She is currently the managing partner and founder of Spruce Peak Ventures that advises companies on digital transformation, product roadmap, and growth strategies, as well as invests specifically in companies that are working on future of work in manufacturing. Jinsuk blogs about human and AI topics in the semi-monthly newsletter, HIRscape, Human Ingenuity Realized at LinkedIn. Previously, Jinsuk was the Chief Strategy Officer of Accenture Applied Intelligence, focused on artificial intelligence, analytics, cognitive automation, and data. She was the Senior Vice President and Head of Data and Behavioral Science of Commercial Business at AIG and the associate partner at McKinsey Digital. Jinsuk has been a speaker, panel member, and moderator in technology communities such as the National Science Foundation, Insurance Industry on Drones, Women in Tech, Girls with Impact, and many more. I am so excited to welcome Jinsuk Khan to the show. Thank you so much for being here, Jinsuk. Welcome to Absolute AI. Thank you for having me. Happy that you're here. I'd love to start off uh, hearing a little bit about you and your background. You've had some amazing leadership positions at McKinsey and AIG, Accenture. And so, yeah, tell me about your journey that brought you onto this podcast today. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think my journey spans into almost evenly equal uh, three chapters. I started back in Anderson, so I'm definitely dating myself here by using the name that's now defunct, um, as a, sort of the CFO practices. So then after going to uh, MBA, I joined McKinsey to do strategy consulting. I worked at the business technology office, which meant that uh, I did pure strategy for half the time. And the other half of the time, I work with the CIOs, CTOs, and COOs of the world in how you actually translate the com- company strategy into the operations and technology strategy. When I left McKinsey um, after my, my son was born, I spent actually the third chapter, half of the third chapter at AIG, the global insurer, mm-hmm. um, as the COO and also the head of data science for the commercial business. And then the second chapter, um, I was the a global Managing Director of Applied Intelligence at Accenture, so Chief Strategy Officer position for dealing with strategy, M&A, and the ecosystem build-out. And um, when the pandemic hit, I decided I'm going to actually try something different. Mm. Um, and I started you know, Spruce Peak Ventures uh, LLC. So I advise companies on the growth uh, and M&A, and uh, I also do angel investing, 
And then last but not least, I started blogging through the Herscape newsletter that I started a few months ago, which stands for uh, Human Ingenuity Realized. Yeah, that's a great newsletter that I definitely want to dive into later in our conversation. I want to hear a little bit more about your work at Accenture and in the applied intelligence part of the company, because that's where kind of the intersection with uh, artificial intelligence, analytics, data, uh, how that kind of emerged and grew. So how do, what was your strategy in building out that part of the business? And, and was it fairly nascent at Accenture? Or uh, what stage of development was it in? And how did you bring that forward? Accenture bet on this digital and analytics actually much earlier than the other peers had done, mm. and had actually the artificial intelligence and analytics function separately. And when I came in, a few months after, they actually put that together, and then Applied Intelligence was born. Um, so I joined not at the 0 to 1 or 1 to 60. It already had a very sizable business, mm -hmm. and it actually wanted to grow faster. Okay. So that's where I came in and where the M&A uh, solutions development and embedding actually digital into everything we do. And since then, actually, Accenture has done that. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the stage that I went in. Interesting. Okay. And so what what did that look like? I mean, Accenture is a huge company, right? I, I think it's, what is it, 100,000 employees or something like that? Well, I uh, I used to affectionately call it a republic of uh, <laughs> Accenture. Uh, it was about half million when I joined. Oh my god! And when I was leaving, and as of now, I think it's about six hundred eighty thousand people in the world. Wow. Okay, so that's a huge transformation to be initiating and helping out with. Um, and we've talked about this a lot on the show. Uh, how. AI and you know what what you're talking about is digital digital transformation has really um come into every facet of our lives but talk to me a little bit in that company how that's transformed how those 680,000 people are working and then how that that translates into um other work that you're doing with with Spruce Peak Ventures yeah, so Accenture is a, uh, one of the few companies that uh, is a business, obviously, for having a lot of uh, employees and has to uh, really walk the talk. At the same time, it really supports a lot of clients um, that are doing the digital transformation. Mm -hmm. So there's a client part of it and also the business itself that's part of it. And the Applied Intelligence stood for automation, analytics, AI, and also data mm -hmm. is those four things coming together for all the industries and all of the different roles. So the one side of the business is how do we grow as a business? Do we have the solutions that the clients need? And Accenture is a consulting company, right? right? So it's a corporate that whose product is consulting. So it, when we do R&D, it was not the way that Google or a startup or a P&G would do you know, product R&D. It was more of Okay, we work with all of the tech partners. Mm -hmm. Then when we go to a client, can we bring the best of all the uh, products that are out there? So the consulting R&D is about the business solution mm -hmm. and how do you actually link that up um, and cable it in mm -hmm. to work faster and better at the client setting. Mm. So that was always the side of the business. So it was my job and on the right purview to get to know what's out there, what's getting in. And we used to call it a B3 strategy. So build, buy, and borrow, borrow meaning partner. 
So we're strategizing, what are we going to build? What, what do we need to have it as a proprietary to Accenture? Um, then we're go- what are we going to actually go to buy? Because we just don't have it and we need to have it in-house. We need to expand our services and solutions. And then last but not least, the borrowed part is who do we need to partner with? Who do we need to prioritize? Mm-hmm. It's not the lack of partners. We had thousands and thousands of partners. Right. But who do we prioritize? Where does it matter? So it was that part. But then the other part is we need to walk the talk. So we also have a business of this Republic of Accenture, which is greater than, you know, tens of uh, many of the countries. So then we need to actually, how are we actually doing the digital transformation? And all of the leaders who are internally focused, we're getting the learning from the external and making sure that they're applying that to ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. So I was much more on the the former side of things, on the external and the client, Mm -hmm. but then also working with the internal leaders who are supporting and uh working with the uh, external facing and client facing people to make sure that we are doing that walk the talk. Excellent. And, and what were some of the biggest challenges and, and maybe, cause I, I don't want to just talk about Accenture. I know you've moved on, you've started Spruce Peak Ventures. Um, but what are some of the challenges that you see with those digital transformations and especially, you know, getting people to use those analytics to, uh, leverage data in a uh, more helpful way and not letting it become dark data, which is just data that's collected and, you know, takes up server energy and isn't used at all, but really using that data and finding the right algorithms um, to solve the problems that you're talking about. I think it uh, applies to every company, right? Whether consulting or a business, big and small I think the number one thing is the culture transformation and accepting from day one that that is a culture transformation. At the end of the day, it's not the technologies that transforms the company or people. It's actually the culture that will get embedded. Mm. And that is the very first thing that's very hard for people to accept. Mm. And even if you accept it in your mind, as people say, the biggest distance is from head to heart. (laughs) And then the second uh, (laughs) longest distance is from heart to hands. And... That is the number one thing that every company has to go through. Do you really believe it? If you really believe it, both in the mind and heart and, and, and then into your hands and feet. Um, and I cannot say that more. It just applies every case. right? So, And then the second thing is technology can accelerate, augment, and assist. I always thought of these three A's that are better. It's not there to replace something. Mm. Yes, we do see automation that replaces some of the tasks, right? There are a lot of jobs that might disappear in the next few years to a couple decades because it is full of tasks that are repetitive and manual and we don't want to use really the human ingenuity. However, having said all that, technology is there to assist, augment, and accelerate. And a lot of times I think we try to apply the technology as a band-aid or like it's going to replace X. Hmm. It's going to replace Y. Or rather than if we were to rewrite and what are we willing to do and looking at it from the perspective of, of that holistic view, mm-hmm. but also the trade-off. Well, I have 2,000 default systems and I don't want to change any of it, but I do want to use analytics <laughs> and AI. It's going to really design a world very different than like, I don't care if I actually am going to get rid of every system. Mm-hmm. I just want to do start from you. So it's a very different uh, design and trade-off uh, that you need to have. And starting with the first point, 
whether our minds and hearts and hands aligned, and then what are the trade-offs you're willing to take mm-hmm. is also the very hard discussion that you need to have. And last but not least, everything takes time, right? Even if you're digital native and starting from scratch and there's no wires and default systems that you need to worry about, still things take time. And staying committed mm. and then being explicit about the commitment, showing the commitment and making sure that doesn't matter what stage the company is in, is it growing or did it have to actually downsize or did you have to expand to internationally or did you have to change focus of the product? Having that commitment be explicit mm. and carry that through two years, three years or five years, whatever amount of time that the transformation will take, that is extremely hard. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're in sort of an innovative space where uh, everybody, I've described AI as kind of the Wild West before, where everybody's, um, you know, trying new things and and it feels like, uh, you know, everybody's talking about fail fast, be agile. Mm-hmm. But I like that you talk about the commitment because there are there are some things that need to play out, you know, to see if they actually work because maybe something doesn't doesn't prove, you know, ROI in a week or a month um, or six months, but they're, you're gathering steam. And, and so how do you figure out what the right horizon is for that commitment and when to say, you know what, this isn't working, we need to change course? Absolutely. And to your earlier question about, you know, what, are, what is the optimal solution? You know, what's the best AI? Um, That is an interesting thing that actually people have to think about. You know, we have a saying that don't let the perfect get away in the in the way of the good Mm -hmm. or right. And that is very true because a lot of times I think there's the flavor of the month (laughs) or what's the you know, what word is in the vote, Uh right? So we had even a couple situations where, you know, the client said, Well, I heard that this GANs and you know, neural networks is the Mm -hmm. thing. So I think we need to apply that, right? And this is a business person talking, not even on engineering. And you're looking at it and say, well, but the just, you know, simple time analysis and just a backtesting, it just works. You can actually do the solve for the old Excel function. But they're like, no, 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 we need to use the most creative, the technical and and the thing. And uh, just... uh, really maybe you know bear with me on this analogy i used to tell this one uh, client a long time ago that well you know you need to deliver this package right mm-hmm. and it's a it's an envelope and you have many options to just cross the road and deliver the package because it just literally crossed the street now you can walk you can take a bike <laughs> but you just found out that you have a tank <laughs> That you bought from the, and they're like, I'm gonna put the gasoline in it. I'm gonna have the tank march. There is, there's so many ways to deliver something. Right. But what's the trade-off? Now there are maybe times when you may have to do that, right? To make a point. I want to show you that what we're able to do, right? Look, I have the tank. So even if there are bullets coming my way because people don't want to change, we'll do that. So it's not that one method is always the best for every situation. Um. But you do need to actually have the trade-off. Like, why am I sending a tank down the road <laughs> right. for point-mile distance? Uh-huh. Like, and am I doing that with the open eyes? And there's a purpose behind this. Um, and that that's something that actually happens more often than not. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I love that analogy, actually. Um, again, AI, you were talking about kind of buzzwords or the flavor of the week being thrown around. And, um, you know, this is this is such an exciting area um, where it feels like things are coming out all the time. And but I was thinking about intelligence when you were talking about this, because with consulting, it sounds like a, a lot of what you're doing is is you know, looking at the information and then making assessments, you know, what makes sense. And that that's what we, we talk about is intelligence. And we've got this artificial intelligence that's taking in, you know, tons of information. But there's sort of things that humans are really good at and things that machines are really good at. And uh, you talk a lot about um, in the future of work stuff about this kind of intersection between human and AI and ways in which maybe the humans are better, sometimes the AI is better, but they always have to work together. So I was wondering if you could share a story that shows how AI is plugged into everyday life and maybe excels, but then maybe a place where human beings need to be directing it in order to solve the problem at hand. Sure. Um, we as humans, we are we are brilliant, right? And we I talk about that as a species, <laughs> and, but we are so inconsistent, yes. right? We tire easily. <laughs> we are, you know, we have physiological needs. And uh, we're not as accountable and consistent in what we deliver, whereas the machines are very consistent, mm. right? 24-7, they're consistent now, except for technical glitches that can happen sure. all the time. Um, so it's, a, it's something that actually a human plus machine is always better than human alone or machine alone. But to make that happen and bring that power and harness that energy... We need to have that combination, whether you call that a human in the loop or whether a human intervention or human giving the context and then, you know, coming in and for audit. And I'll tell, you know, just a couple of stories. Uh, one of my favorite stories is um, there was this AI team that has been working with the security team at a public park. And uh, I talk about this story in, in one of my blogs is that uh, the team was actually trying to automate what the security screeners were doing, right? So... In this public park, you are not allowed to take in anything sharp, knife and scissors and all. Now, when people go to public park, sometimes you go on a picnic, you're going to bring food and, you know, times games, and you might have something sharp, right? Some people still might carry the Swiss Army knife. It's not like you're going on an airport. But in this public park, for the safety reasons, they actually have a, a, the security screeners. So this AI team has been building a model to identify these things um, instead of the security screeners really uh, scanning the uh, x-ray machines. Over time, to your point about the big data, you know, over time, the model was getting better and better to a point that actually it was performing a lot better than average screener. Um, there was one screener, though, that the model just could not beat, right? And typically, in any kind of game like this, whether you play cards in Las Vegas, the odds are in the house if you play long enough. Right. You're going to lose, right? <laughs> But this particular uh, screener apparently was unbeatable. So the AI team lead decided, you know what? I'm just going to go and ask this person. Like, what's his secret? And he went and asked, like, how do you do it? How do you find more sharp items than the you know machines do? And this person said, oh, I don't 
yes, I look for those, but I don't necessarily look for sharp items alone. I actually look for things that you might need the sharp items for. So, you know, I thought about that answer. I was like, wow, this is an answer that only a human can do, right? Not the PhD in computer science from Stanford, MIT, Caltech, but a human, right? So if I see a pineapple... Yeah, like a human that spends every single day doing this as well, not coming in once, but but has that... uh, that longevity of experience to back them up as well. That's right. And you lived your life, yes. right? So that, that's where my pineapple came in and said, okay, so if somebody has a pineapple in the back, well, unless you're going to taekwondo chop your pineapple, right. you must cut that with something somehow. So even if I didn't see that in the back, I'm going to look at it again. Or I'm going to ask, hmm. hey, like, what are you going to cut the pineapple for? Yes. Right? And... I, I love this story because there's this human brilliance that comes along. And it's not about the educational background. It's not about like how many years have you been doing this. It's about being human, mm. right? That, you know, you're going to have the brilliance. But at the, end, at the same time, the machines are pretty good in identifying the stuff. And we don't have x-ray vision, mm-hmm. right? Like Superman does. So it's going to actually spot things much better. But with human guiding, Right. And with machines spotting sharp items, but the human coming in and having conversation. Because not everyone is going to try to like sneak in a knife and when the policy says no. Mm-hmm. And it's in the conversation that you actually find out more, right? So it's my favorite example because it's also about the, the average person, mm-hmm. right? It's not about like, oh, like some savvy person, you know, who studied a lot and who looks at the models a lot. Right. but. You know, it's that. And that's where actually I translate into everyday life is, you know, AI is ubiquitous right now, right? When we go to a website to buy a shirt, right? As much as we like to protect our privacy and it should be protected. If I go into a site that I went 17 times last year and he says, and and I always buy black, gray and white shirts and it's, you know, size, you know, 8, 10, whatever, but then every time I go in, he says, why don't you buy a red shirt in size 18? I'm going to get pissed off. Right, right. <laughs> right? And, but there's got to be balance, right? How much do I want to reveal? How much, you know, I wanted to remind? How much of this do? So AI is being actually particularly in the e-commerce sites when you're buying things. And depending on what you bought, you know, it suggests other things. That's all good. But also the human guiding away, which is a stitch fix model, mm. right? So you have a person who's picking items out for you, but then there's an algorithm working behind and say, well, what does Jin look like? What does Melody like? Well, you know, it's March and spring. I better not say, you know, unless it's on sale, uh, buy like a, a lot of winter coats, right. right? Well, maybe since she's buying all the blues, but it's spring. So why don't we put in one yellow to try, you know, one orange to try? So... It's the human who can kind of guide the model in the way. And also, when do you want to put human versus when do you want to put mm. machine, right? There are things that machines do better, right? Just do a simple tactical test and it will be faster. Then you have to explain to a human the whole thing and you don't want to be rude. So you're going to carry on with the weather conversation <laughs> and the TV show conversation. And next thing you know, you spend 40 minutes rather than four mm-hmm. minutes. So it's that balanced, harmonious amalgamation between the human brilliance and the machine consistency in that learning. 
that I think uh, we need to bring together. And the world is trying. Absolute AI is sponsored by Inadata, a leading data engineering company. From startups to enterprise, Inadata delivers ground truth training data and customized AI services and platforms at scale. Learn more at Inadata.com. Uh, something that occurred to me as you were giving that uh, retail example, though, is that while we are guiding the machines, there is an extent to which it seems like the machines are also guiding our expectations now, right? Like if if we're on a website and it's giving all of these random ads that have nothing to do with me, sizes that don't apply, colors that I'm not interested in, like you said, you get kind of angry, right? So so there's actually this this kind of give and take of expectations for um, when I am interfacing with technology now, I have this assumption that it does know about me, that it that it is following what I'm doing. And and when it doesn't, I think, oh, there's this isn't working right. So that I, I think that's a change from from early internet and early digital products. Absolutely. I think on one end, um, as things are getting better and faster. Um, it also is making us impatient, yeah. right? Oh, it's it has been like two seconds and it's still not loading, yeah. right? Um, and also it funnels and tries to create a filter for us automatically. Mm. Oh, this person likes reading this article, this article, right? They clicked on these kind of videos. Mm. So to create more likes and increase the viewing minutes, I'm going to keep suggesting these. Right. When in reality, had that been a paper, probably my eyes would have browsed many different places and maybe would have like read something that, you know, I didn't know that I had an interest, but the picture looked really interesting and stuff. Mm. And the digital, to your point, it builds the expectation, but also it creates that expectation and shapes the expectation. And we almost start creating this filter around us. So, you know, there's a... um, Saying that, tell me, you know, who who are the top five people you spend most time with? And I'll tell you, you know, who you are, right? There are so many versions of this in every country. But when you think about, well, what are the five things that you read? I'll tell you what you think, Uh, right? And that's becoming more and more true because it's becoming a filter through which I'm looking at the world and I'm interacting with my friends and I form my opinions, Mm. Yeah, and I I think there's an extent to which that's always been true because we're uh, again the five the five people you hang out with maybe you say what book are you reading and then you you know you you get that sort of word of mouth but yeah this has become sort of uh, a almost a global phenomenon where people have found each other you know across kind of space and time. But it's also so there's been this expansion of community, but also this narrowing as well, where you're well, where people are getting funneled into um, into these sort of microcosms. So moving forward, as you're working with companies, how do you or how do we as a even as a society deal with um, the the convenience that uh, is given to us through these algorithms and but also dealing with those um, that narrowing the the privacy concerns and and the sort of um, you know uh, 
uh, ethical quandaries that we are that we are butting up against on, on pretty. I feel like pretty regularly now. It's it's hitting every person at this point. Mm-hmm. It, it's very true, and this is where the masterminds, definitely not me, people who are thinking about the social policy of AI, the ethical and the privacy. And every time a new technology or even a non-technological advance or concept comes out, um, this is the phase that we as a society have to go mm-hmm. through. Um, a few years ago, I read actually these um headlines of newspapers and it was sort of an icebreaker quiz and he says something like i can't believe my privacy will be invaded like this Mm. this technology should die i mean it was sort of those kind of statements Mm -hmm. and then it it actually was about caller id oh oh my god the caller id had come out Uh. and you don't thought that this was about the ai (laughs) and something really and and it was almost laughable (laughs) but the whole concept was that we go through these kind of stages because with every advance, technological or non-technological, it uh, surfaces a lot of things that we just need to deal with the society. And it always kind of also boils down to, okay, every individual have control over and say over what they want to see and not see Mm -hmm. uh, to a large extent. But then how do you want that process to be managed, Right. right? So as simple as when you go to the website, well, okay, now with the GDPR and the California Privacy Act and all those, okay, we have these cookies and at minimum, they always show the four choices. Some of them show like six right. or eight, but like, okay, we have targeting cookie, the functional cookie, the and a performance cookie and so on and so forth. And I have to do that in every website. I know, though. yeah. And then <laughs> if I don't save that as a cookie, then I need to do that multiple times even on the yes. same site, Right. Well, I think about what if I had a cookie passport and say, Jinsuk's passport says that she doesn't want this and does want this, and that just gets applied everywhere I go. Now, having said that, that means that there's some central entity, right? right? right. Or central technology or a common protocol where I save or where I do. Because if you think about it, whether it's a license, whether it's a passport, mm. whether it's a that exists. And now then the whole new conversation starts, right? Who should have right. this? Federal government, <laughs> state government? and But it is a necessary thing that we have to go through. And I think the most effort is we sometimes as being a litigious society, we wait until all the things happen and then the laws come mm. in and a lot of things have been happening. And if we can shorten that cycle, right, as we are experimenting it and we're gonna get many things wrong and people have will have different opinions and diverging and converging all those opinions are good and we need to hear them out but if we can shorten that cycle rather than lengthen it and oh it's been two years three years ten years since the technology came out and we're still dealing with Mm -hmm. this um i think that's something that we need to think through uh, as we navigate through this ai privacy and ethics and many other things that come with the social policy. Yeah, it seems like uh, the policymakers are more versed in what's going on with the technology now. I remember um, many years ago when Mark Zuckerberg first went in front of Congress and the, the questions that Congress were asking were basically irrelevant. They, they just, they basically showed that they didn't, they didn't know what what the technology was. And I, I hope now, and, and you talk about this a lot with your, with your blog, um, how we need, and 
certainly one of our missions with this podcast is to raise the public understanding of this type of technology. You know, what is it doing? And and I've really seen, like, especially over the last five years, people have become a lot more savvy. My grandparents are a lot more savvy about, you know, what's going on. And and um, and I think that that will, will help with um, – with those those policy changes as well. Um, I want to talk about one area that we haven't hit on yet with the with uh, in your in your blog series. Um, I love that human ingenuity realized. Um, that's that's just a great great title. Um, you talk about AI and robotics as a service in 5D jobs. Um, so talk to me about 5D jobs and then um, these AI robotics as a service. Sure. So there's a concept that derived from um, Asia from, I think, many decades ago called 3D. And originally, the 3D jobs were referred as jobs that are that perform tasks that are dirty, oh. difficult, um, and then um, uh, degrading, right? Oh. So dirt, difficult, dirty. And so... And these, when I was thinking about those jobs and when those jobs came about, um, what they meant was every, you know, person might say, well, you know, if you work with my manager in the office I talk to and my peers say that, like, I have such a difficult job and it's very disturbing. But the original concept was not that, right? So they were referring to these jobs that are getting underpaid and minimum wage. Mm -hmm. So sanitation workers and um, skyscraper window workers. So so it was referring to like, ooh, this job is like 3D. It's dangerous. Um, I think I need to dangerous, difficult, and Mm -hmm. dirty. And when I actually thought about that concept is that is the area where AI should actually be helping a lot more Mm -hmm. with, right? And the concept that I'm talking about is, it's not that we don't need AI anywhere else, right? From the fintech and everything, you know, I think uh, AI investments in 2021 was almost a double the year before and the year before and so forth. But when you look at the share of the investments in AI that's going in, the retail and uh, the fintech and all these things, the share that actually being applied to the 3D type of jobs, I think could be much greater. Mm. We need AI everywhere with the humanity and privacy and all those things addressed, but particularly in 3D, and I expanded the concept to say it should be 5D, right? And it's not only about those 3Ds uh, that are original, but also adding dependent and disturbing, Hmm. right? And not all all jobs might have different degree and varying levels of those Ds. So I'm not saying that, oh, there are many jobs that have all 5Ds, right? But for example, disturbing if you think about uh the content moderators yeah, that's right? exactly what i thought 90 percent of. of the moderators it's more of a knowledge cataloging yeah. but small percentage of the content moderators are the ones who make sure that you know all the image disturbing images that the uh, model didn't catch hmm. right about you know the murders the wars and you know pornography and many many things that only humans can tell mm-hmm. to a certain extent in certain images. And we all, all natural beings, whether it's a plant or river and even people, I think we have a natural tolerance level of purification, mm-hmm. right? You, hopefully not, but if you dump uh, something dirty into Hudson River, probably can handle that one small thing, right? 
And maybe it can handle up to certain, but after that point, the river just cannot purify itself, right? right? And same thing happens whether you're going to war as a soldier and people who particularly the many tasks of their job entails doing something disturbing. I think AI could help a lot more than it's helping now. It, it certainly is, but it, it definitely should do a lot more of it. The other thing is the dependent part. We all have phases where you might become dependent on someone or something physically for whatever reason, because you're elderly or you got injured or you had an accident or you're recovering after surgery and so many things. And if you think about those dependent thing is, it's great to have someone come over and do the grocery shopping for you or walk you down the stairs and others. But the real value that you're getting is the companionship mm. in making you feel like you're more independent, yeah. right? Because a lot of people don't want to feel dependent on someone, right? Because about being that person, right? Okay, I want the person to come but to chat with me, mm-hmm. right? Not because I cannot go and bathe myself or because I cannot do grocery shopping. And again, there is AI and robotics coming out there, right? So we have certain cards and, you know, little back that follows you and all, but it's so primitive right now. And the number of investments that are going in, the size of the investment is so tiny and de minimis compared to the investments that are going in for the e-commerce or for the stuff that we spend a lot of money on. And same thing in the healthcare, right? So that's the that's a concept that I talk about. And I started writing about this Hirsch cape because can we think about the human value when you're designing it? Um, I don't want to paint a you know pinky rosy picture where yeah some jobs will be displaced, some tasks will become automated. But can if you think about designing with the human in the center? How many people can we train to be technicians of the technology? How many people can we actually go in and help by doing this? Um, Who are the people who's going to be displaced? And if there are enough companies, enough startups, enough people doing it, I think we'll build a community where it gets more addressed. And so I'm advocating, it's not about reallocating funds that's being used in somewhere else and then put it here. I'm saying a lot of money is coming over. Just can you put more into these 5D type jobs? Mm. Um, so actually people can show their ingenuity in other ways uh, and devote their uh, energy uh, less in these types of difficult jobs. Yeah, uh, my my sister-in-law is a nurse and was a nurse for uh, elderly that, that needed the, the kind of care that you're talking about. And she, she really loved the job. The, the companionship part of the job was very fulfilling for her. Um, but she was drowning in the paperwork. And I just, it just didn't make sense to me that with all of the technology that we have, why, why is this paperwork? She had every single day, every single client, all this paperwork to do, all of these things to fill out. And I just thought, isn't there a way to streamline this so that her, because I, there are things that a that a robot can do that a machine can do in that caring um, vein that you that you brought up, but there's also things that I think are those human contact, but but the the you know sort of busy work that an AI consistently could do super duper well um, could could take some of that out and and give her more time to do her job. 
and to care for her clients in a more robust way, in in the more human, valuable way. Um, so yeah, I uh, I really hope in the, in the future that that's. Uh, I, I think people are working on that. Have you? I know you worked in healthcare for a while. Yes, that's uh, what you shared is exactly why I'm advocating this is, and people are very well intentioned, yeah. right? People want to make an impact, but even with the best intention, sometimes those things actually go go awry sometimes. So, for example, in the healthcare, there's this particular hospital with all the good intentions. Look, we are not paying enough attention to the the customers. We wait until the machines beep, and then the nurses and the um, medical professionals have to rush to the the patient side. How can we shorten the time? How can we address it before the machines beep? So they bring AI. And they say, you know what, now instead of one nurse taking care of the five patients, actually they can take care of 10 patients because AI is monitoring all these machines automatically and preemptively. Mm. But the downside of that was, is that now the nurses were at this uh, command center, Uh, right? Yeah. And they're looking at the machines beeping and the patients are spending less time with the humans, Mm -hmm. right? They're being cared for. Their machines are now being monitored 24-7. It doesn't have to beep. It's not manual, mm-hmm. right? But the one good thing about the manual, hopefully without affecting the healthcare outcome, is that people rush to right, your side, right. right? We see these videos of uh, uh, nurses, particularly and very sadly through the COVID, just holding people's hands because their families could not be with them. As much the cyber world grows, we're still... 3D physical people, yeah. right? There's a reason why the Zoom tired us with even with mm-hmm. the, you know, getting better and every day because our bodies are not trained to deal with 2D for most of the time, Yeah, right? We can deal with 2D sometimes, but then we're the 3D people. So we need to deal with the 3D. So even with the best intentions, I think which metrics you focus mm-hmm. on, and the qualitative metrics are the hardest ones, but how can you quantify the qualitative metric? Mm. And putting the human value in the center, I think is something that takes practice. And this is where, getting back to my point, the humans can yeah. help, right? When you look at the metrics and you look at the dashboard, it looks great. The intention was to take care of patients preemptively. Right. The intention was to help, you know, help the nurses. The intention <laughs> was to accelerate and speed everything up. But still, the outcome right. is that, oh, okay, now the patients are don't have the human touch. Right? Is that really what we want? Mm. Right? And a lot of times we may not find out. So until maybe it's too late or there's a, a claim. So um, those are the things that um, I always uh, think about. Yeah, I think I think those are so important, and I'm uh, I'm so grateful that you brought those up. I'm gonna wrap up with my last question that I always give. It's kind of silly, uh, so you can take it in whatever direction you want. But um, <laughs> if you were to write a sci-fi novel about the year 2042, what does the world look like, and have the robots taken over? <laughs> so. Uh... Interestingly, I re- I'm in the middle of reading the Murder Book Diaries. <laughs> I'm on book three. Um, I would write a sci-fi happy novel, 
uh, a drama. So I don't want to write about the dystopian. So that's first one. Okay. I think it might be still a struggle. We're trying to figure it out. I think it will be more of a drama version of Jetsons. Oh, okay. Um, I always drama thought, version of Jetsons. I always thought the the <laughs> car, the flying car in his briefcase, was like the coolest thing. <laughs> the coolest technology in that show. <laughs> yeah, and the the housekeeper robot. Oh, right? uh huh. Um, so I think the first one is uh, it will be so, sort of a drama and more detailed version of the happy version of the Jetsons. The second thing that probably my novel will have is I'm gonna check on all the details. So the details are not missed out. And then the reason I say that is I uh, saw a, a artistic rendering of what the uh, self-driving car would have been like. And this drawing was done, I think, 1940s or 50s, mm. right? So some artists thought about, here's what the self-driving car looks like. And I, I thought it was fascinating. And it was a car that actually had a family in it. And they were playing cards and the car's driving by itself. And there are all these futuristic buildings the year may have been like 2090, you know, for, for what I saw. Uh-huh. But when I looked at the picture carefully, the TV inside the car was black and white. Uh-huh. And maybe the artist just left it because it was a drawing. It was not a very detailed one and he only colored it. Who knows, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I don't even know who the artist was. But I, I felt like, ooh, imagination not gone all the way, uh-huh. right? So... What am I leaving out of my imagination? Mm. If the car can drive itself and the family can play the card, and card, as you know, if you're not very smooth, like cards are going everywhere, you cannot stack, you know, the the card in the middle. So you have to be so stable and everything. But the TV is black and white, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think I'm gonna go into the novel and think about every single thing in detail, because there's always in the commercial AI or drones where something is still current mm. and everything else is right there's another one that like there was a drone it's a, like a drone taxi right you call up and the drone appears because he already knows your schedule when i saw this one commercial one uh, uh video then you go in and you select your payment and that that that's where they lost me i'm like really <laughs> it knows where i'm gonna go and drop it now i still have to pay <laughs> and select my payment method uh, so I think my novel will go through, like, come through every detail. Like, what am I leaving out of my imagination? I think will be the, the second thing. And I would love to have a, uh, maybe not the murder bot or something that's struggling with the EQ mm. uh, and not definitely dystopian uh, side of the thing. I think it will be more of having a real struggle. Mm. Uh, I love that. Well, um, honestly, I hope you write a little short story or something. I love the details that you <laughs> that you picked out for that. Let's wrap up with some some calls to action. Um, how do people reach out, learn more about you? You can talk about uh, Spruce Peak Ventures too, if you'd like. Oh uh, yes, yeah, so um, I definitely have uh, my email uh, that I put on the LinkedIn. So it's chinsukethearscape.me. And uh, so you can send me notes and also uh, do subscribe to my newsletter, uh, which I put out, you know, semi-monthly. That's my goal to keep up with it. Uh, it definitely takes a lot more uh, energy and research than I thought, but I really enjoy it. So um, that's one. And then drop me a note in the via LinkedIn. I would love to hear stories. These are stories that I'm hearing from people and seeing. Um, and uh, I think, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. We all have brilliant ideas somewhere. And if... By listening to this podcast, 
uh, or reading a newsletter or something sparks and somebody goes out and do something that makes a, an, another person like security screener come live and find the value, I think that will make me happy whether I get to find out or not. Fantastic. Well, Jinsuk, this was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thanks for tuning in. We make this program for listeners like you. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your community, write a review or drop us five stars. Every little bit helps spread the word. See you next time.